Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma, you may find us at healingwithworth.org. Welcome to Healing with Worth. Thank you again for listening. We're so glad you're back for another week. We hope that you've been enjoying our podcast and we would love for you to donate to healingwithworth.org. Your donation allows us to offer hope and healing to women who've been experiencing betrayal trauma. Today we wanted to talk about physical self-care. Now physical self-care covers so many different categories, but the main ones that I think about when I think about physical self-care are things like, am I eating enough? Am I sleeping enough? What kind of movement is my body getting? These different things, when you take the time to think about what the last, like maybe when the last time is that I ate, um, what kind of food am I eating? What am I doing to move my body around? How much sleep am I getting? You know, do I have enough energy to be able to get through my day? So these different things all have an effect on our physical bodies and the way that we relate to, and it's very related to our trauma. Now, experts believe that there's actually a direct biological effect that occurs when your body undergoes extreme stress, and in this case, trauma. When you you experience something that's anxiety-provoking, your stress response activates. Then your body produces more adrenaline, your heart races, and your body's prime itself to react. Now, trauma can increase inflammation in the body, and inflammation has been associated with a broad range of illnesses, including cardiovascular disease, autoimmune diseases, and early trauma disrupts the inflammatory system. And this can lead to long-term aberrations in this system and chronic health problems triggered by constant inflammation. Now, typically, the more trauma you've experienced, the worse your health is. And this is something I know that my, I've seen in my family in, in the different, I mean, traumas can occur not just in betrayal trauma, but also in our family relationships. And, and I have family members who have autoimmune diseases and, and I can see the relation to the trauma that they experienced in their youth and throughout their life, you know, up to the point where they were actually diagnosed. So trauma really does impact our bodies greatly. I think right there is the number one reason why physical self-care is so important. And I think this, the more that we are able to pay attention to and work towards our physical self-care, the more we can reduce that effect that it has on our body. Another reason why we want to do physical self-care is because our trauma has a way of stealing from us who we are. An example of this that I can think of in my journey was when I was about 35 years old. Um, I had been pregnant or nursing for about 10 years. So I still had a baby bump. My hips were round. And to be honest, if if I were to describe my body shape, I would say that I looked like a pear. I was plump and top bottom heavy. And as I went to my closet and picked out a pair of pants, 
I pulled them on and they were a little too small. And the disappointment hit me like a ton of bricks. I was gaining weight. I slid down the wall and started to cry when suddenly one of my children knocked on the door and said, Mommy, it's time to go. If we don't leave, we're going to be late. I looked down at myself and realized that I had not showered. I did not have time to put my makeup on. I didn't even have time for breakfast. I wasn't really taking care of myself physically. I was a mess and I knew it. But I didn't have time. I jumped in the van anyway and as I pulled into the school parking lot, I looked around at all the other homeschooled moms and saw them. I compared myself to them. They were skinny, beautiful, happy, put together, perfect little families, perfect, perfect little homeschool families. And as I compared myself, I, my eyes filled with tears. And I didn't have time to process the emotion, so I jumped out of the van and I took the older kids to their classes and I took the two younger girls with me and headed to the nursery. As I sat down at the nursery table, I couldn't control my emotions. I'd been holding these emotions in for years and they just rolled down my cheeks in streams. I was totally embarrassed to be crying and having this emotional breakdown at the homeschool co-op, but I couldn't stop the flood. One of the moms there, one of the moms there noticed that I was crying and so she came over and started to talk to me. And I was telling her about the bad night that I had. I hadn't gotten any sleep and you know, I um life was stressful with, you know, babies and homeschool and all this kind of stuff and so she offered to let she would she offered to watch the kids while I went home for a while and had a few hours to myself. So I took her up on the offer and I decided to go home and take a nap. So as I got into the van, I turned it on and the radio came on and I was driving down the street and, you know, the music was kind of playing and I was crying and thinking. And then all of a sudden the song by Bruno Mars came on just the way you are. And the chorus really stood out to me. And the chorus says, when I see your face, there's not a thing that I would change because girl, you're amazing just the way you are. And when you smile, the whole world stops and stares for a while. Because, girl, you're amazing just the way you are. I stopped dead in my tracks. Did the God of the universe just say that I was amazing? I blushed. Was that okay? I was warmed to the depths of my soul by the endearment. But I also wondered if I was making it up. You know, I realized that just a few minutes ago, I had lost patience with my kids. I was, you know, you know, using an ugly tone of voice with them. It hurt them. It mortified me. As I reflected back on my life, you know, I was thinking, you know, I'm living so life so imperfectly. I'm disappointing friends and I'm failing family. Me? Amazing? I couldn't believe it. I didn't believe it. And as I pulled into the driveway, I turned off the radio and I just sat there in silence. And I heard the chorus echo in my mind. You are amazing just the way you are. And I realized at that moment that God loved me in all my, he loves me in all my perfections, in all my body sizes and shapes. And this amazing love that God had for me just penetrated my heart in a new and deep way that day. He had spoken to me. 
He loves me and thinks I am amazing, just the way I am. Whoa, I couldn't believe it. I had forgotten who I really am, a person of infinite worth and value. I lost that identity, that true identity. God helped me realize that I could not heal myself if I did not like myself. And from that point forward, I tried and started to develop the skill of self-compassion. I started being nice to myself. And I started to accept my body in any shape and form because God did. And so could I. I also agree with Dr. Kevin Skinner. And he says, the loss of self-worth is really a loss of self-compassion. Therefore, all authentic healing is a restoration of self-beliefs, a re-establishment of the sense of who we are and who we can become. Who we can become. Self-compassion is a requirement for healing. When I started having more self-compassion, I discovered that my healing accelerated. And, Thank you, Sherilyn. And one thing I'd I'd love to you know, make sure our listeners understand is that this, this is a process and that we just start somewhere. We start with baby steps and because of the, the connection that the physical trauma has with, with our physical and emotional well-being, it's, it's really important to make it a priority. So as we were discussing this podcast, we were trying to think of some imagery that would be really helpful um, to our listeners. And wh- one of them that we were discussing was, was for me, I always thought of physical self-care as, as a tire. And if you divide this tire up into compartments, so the compartment of um, sleep, the compartment of movement, the compartment of nutrition, the compartment of, of water, you know, if one of those compartments in that tire is deflated or has less air, then there's going to be this imbalance that occurs in your in your life. And so that was one imagery we, we kind of thought of. Then, then another one was this drowning image that if we're not taking care of our bodies physically, that, that we just feel like we're drowning. We're, we're a ship that's sinking, so to speak, because we have to take good care of our ship. And if we're allowing it to rust or we're not um, giving it the maintenance that it needs to uh, carry on these voyages um, and, and be in this whirlwind of sea storms that often happens in, in this addiction life, um, the, these turbulent waters, it, it's just going to, to drown the ship. And, um, you know, another one was riding a bicycle with a wobbly wheel. If you've ever ridden a bicycle with a wobbly wheel, it, it's really difficult to do. You're, you're out of balance. The ride isn't smooth. You notice all the bumps in the road. And so if we don't intentionally focus on this physical self-care, eventually the ship, the bike, the tire, it's going to completely deflate and be, be useless to us. And so when we're dealing with the, the trauma aspect of it, the physical affects the emotional well-being. And so it's it's really important to take these preemptive measures to keep us 
from these landslides of health conditions that that can occur and recognize that these physical symptoms that your body is giving you is just feedback, feedback for you to make changes in your life. And I think when we keep, I've noticed at least in my life, when I keep my physical well-being in check, you know, along with my spiritual, that is just as important. And, and again, it, it has to be a balance. I am less reactive and I'm more proactive in my circumstance. So that I think is a really important um, piece is that it really allows us to not be reactive because if we're deprived of sleep, if we're deprived of nutrition, that the things that our body needs to function properly, then, then we become reactive. We don't, we are not an agent to act um, in accordance with who we want to be. So I know each of us have a personal experience of this. Cherilyn, why don't you share your experience with sleep, for instance? Um, Because I was homeschooling and had all those small kids, I would sneak out into my car to take a nap. And um, I did it so often that, and my neighbors would kind of see me that um, <laughs> that they gave me a nickname and they called me the car lady. <laughs> and so it was kind of a little joke between the neighbors that they all knew that I had all those kids and I was homeschooling. And so I'd go out there to take a nap. And then eventually the kids would wander out and find me and wake me up. But it was a, you know, it's something I had to do to get that rest that I needed during that difficult time of my life. Yeah. Sleep is so important. That's, that's one of my biggies. I have really strict boundaries around my sleep and it'll be interesting. Uh, Right now, my husband and I are currently separated, but uh, I have very strict boundaries and I will expect that he will respect those boundaries (laughs) Um, if and when that, that that reunification ever happens because I, I know how important it is. That's something that I have really noticed that if I don't have, I become very reactive <laughs> to situations. So. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I still have young kids and, you know, it, it still happens that <laughs> kids come into my room in the middle of the night and I'm like, Oh, I can't do this. You have to not come in my room in the middle of the night, but, or, or I have, you know, one that doesn't go to the bathroom by herself. She has to wake me up and tell me that she needs to go back to the bathroom. So I have to walk her to the bathroom and walk her back to her bed. (laughs) And so it's exhausting. And so my, my routine with her is usually like literally right before she gets in bed, I have to make her go to the bathroom and hope that she hasn't drank anything too late that will make her have to wake up at any time during the night to go to the bathroom again. Yeah. So, it's so that I can get my sleep. It's <laughs> a real struggle for moms with young kids for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> well, now uh, on the other, on the other spectrum, my kids are all gone so I can take naps whenever I want. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have to be patient. You just have to realize that you're in a certain season and, you know, do things that work for that season, but then in other times it could change. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. If, if sleep, exactly. if sleep's an issue, then you really have to, to pay attention to those other areas extra, you know, the other areas that you can control a little, 
um, be more diligent and, and extra careful in those areas because it, right. it's all connected. It is. Yeah. And, and it took, it take, it took me a while. And, and actually I, I still have a hard time taking naps during the day, but you know, I find that if I, if I take time to exercise, you know, whether that's taking a walk, whether that's doing an actual exercise, like a workout video or, you know, something that gets my muscles moving, I find that I have a lot more energy after I've, after I've done something to really get my heart pumping, um, to be able to make it through the day and also to be able to sleep well once I hit the pillow. Yeah. So I think, and then also eating well, I mean, all of those things combine to really, even if I do get woke up at three o'clock in the morning, (laughs) I, I still have the energy and I'm feeding my body well to make it through the day. So it definitely makes a big difference. I think in all of this too, um, I think it's important that sometimes we do things just to do them. Um, but I think that if we have, if we, we have to look at our intention behind, you know, doing these particular physical self-care activities. Um, because if we, if we're doing it, if we're doing certain things to just to cope, um, then the intention behind it kind of gets a little bit skewed. And, and I guess it's better to explain with an example. So um, for me, I, I found, well, I wasn't even doing very good self-care, physical self-care either, but, but I felt like I tried to keep myself so busy, just keep myself incredibly busy so that I didn't have to deal with certain aspects. You know, I was working a business at home. I was staying up, you know, extra late because I was working my business. So I would stay up till one, two in the morning. And sometimes that was just to avoid going to bed and arguing with my husband about sex. And So to avoid that, I stayed up and I worked and I also allowed my work to keep me from eating healthy. Like I would work and work and work. I wouldn't pay attention to when I was supposed to eat when I was hungry. I would just let it go until I was so hungry that I just ate whatever was quick and easy to grab and it was definitely not healthy. It was always, it was not always healthy. Yeah. It's usually the thing that spikes your sugar, your sugar level, yes. you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so it just ended up, and then, you know, it got to a point where I was feeling bad because I knew the choices that I was making weren't healthy, right? Like in the back of my mind, I knew I should not be staying up till two in the morning. I should be going to bed at a decent hour so that I have energy to not only run my business, but take care of my kids. And I should be eating better. You know, I, before I started my business, I was eating great. And I, you know, I had lost, you know, so much weight after I'd had my baby and, but it just kept creeping on and creeping on and creeping on. And then it wasn't until I started purposefully taking care of myself. You know, I, I started to go to bed 
you know, at 10 o'clock. And I, and I, I even, when I, when I separated from my husband, I even quit my business for a while because I just didn't have the capacity to be able to do my business and to take care of myself and to take care of my kids. And so I set my business aside and I, and I haven't even gone back to it. I still have it, but I haven't even gone back to it because I'm still in the process of being purposeful about taking care of myself in, in all forms, mentally and physically. And, and that, that particular business took up so much of my energy and my time that I had to just set it aside and say, this is not the right time for this anymore. It served me for a time, but I had to be purposeful about my healing and about my recovery. And that's where that intention behind these particular actions comes in. You know, I'm doing it for me because I know that I want to feel better. And in order to be able to heal and to feel peace and happiness in my life, I need to be purposefully doing these things that I know will help me to heal and bring that peace into my life and, and to keep that chaos at bay, making sure that your motivation behind what you're doing is, is bringing you to the place where it's something that you want to do because you are important. And sometimes that is, you know, when you think about, okay, what's something that I want to do? I want to go to bed at 10 o'clock. And then you ask yourself, okay, why do I want to go to bed at 10 o'clock? Because I need my sleep. Then you ask yourself, why again, why do I need my sleep? I need my sleep because I need to be able to focus on my health and my well-being. And when I'm tired, I don't have the energy to do that, you know? And so you can take that, you can ask yourself why until you really get to the core of why you're doing this and really be able to find that purpose behind your self-care. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I love that. I feel like um, definitely getting narrowing down to that because that becomes our motivation, you know? So for me, it was definitely, you know, I, when I started doing self-care, I I had little acts of little gifts that I gave myself that told me I am important. And I feel like in my, when I, I I don't know how long it was, but years and years and years, even before I got married, I kind of started out with these really bad habits of eating, you know? So I guess it got to the point where it was so ridiculous that, you know, I was eating, um, I lived on diet Coke. And then when I, so I'd wake up in the morning, I'd have a sip, you know, like a can of diet Coke. And then when I would crash from that, I would go get eat sweetened condensed milk. It's so embarrassing to say that, but, and then when that sugar would burn off, I would crash, you know? So I was literally in this cycle of treating my body so poorly. You know, I was just, I became like a, I wasn't feeding my body. So I feel like I just became like a human doing machine, you know? So it's like waiting for that next, you know, getting that high and then quickly doing all this stuff. And then I would crash and then go get the high. And so it took a wake up call for me. That wake up call came one day when I was sitting in sacrament meeting and the impression came, you know, kind of quietly. And it said, give up diet Coke. And when I heard it, I thought, no, I'm not going to give it up. This is really what is getting me through this, this, you know, this situation. I, this survival mode, I can't give it up. And so I kind of rejected it. 
And then, you know, I kept going and then life wasn't getting any better. You know, I was always pregnant or nursing. They told me that I was anemic. And so all these health problems were coming to the forefront. And so I kept thinking about that day, give up Diet Coke when the Lord told me to do that. And so I eventually softened and I listened to his counsel. And so I tried to give up Diet Coke. I couldn't do it. You know, it's like, it was just so entrenched in part of, you know, it was so habitual that I just couldn't do it. So I tried and tried and tried. And I was getting so discouraged because I thought, you know, this is something that the Lord wants me to do. And it's probably for my best, but I was really, really struggling with it. And while I would take the kids with me to the Seven Eleven, and we would, I would go get my Diet Coke. And so I would just wasn't, I just wasn't making it. And I was really getting discouraged. And I don't know the exact time. I'd have to look back into my journal. But then I was in sacrament meeting again, partaking of the sacrament. And I read this scripture that was found in Mormon 1, or no, it was in the Book of Mormon in Nephi 20. And it says, Behold, and I replaced my name, I, Cherlin, I will show unto you the tender mercies of the Lord are over all the, those who have been chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. And as I took of the sacrament that day, that trial that I had been experiencing with physical health was actually taken from me. And I so I've never once had a desire to drink Diet Coke again. And um, I've never even had a sip after that. And so that was a, an important message for me because it showed me that very early on that the Lord was going to help me. He was going to be a partner with me. He was going to um, ask me to do hard things. And if I tried and even if I failed, that he would eventually deliver me. And so I feel like it was a very transformational moment for me because I finally started to take care of my health and and it really took me on a different path. And so I don't know what that road would have looked like if I didn't take that path. I'm so grateful that the Lord jolted me out of that, those bad habits and helped me learn to take care of myself and just really honor and appreciate my body. If you or someone you know has been affected by the plague of pornography, you might be interested to know Life-Changing Services now has targeted podcasts for each support group affecting youth, men, and women. Check our notes to the episode for links to our other podcasts. I love that story, Cherilyn. I think it's a great example of how we can be a partner with the Lord in um, overcoming those those things which we desire in our lives. And it also reminds me of actually a concept that was taught in our general conference not too long ago, how, you know, he was talking about a, a pack of deer or a herd of deer, excuse me, um, being trapped in the snowfall up in the mountains. And some of these, some people, some well-meaning people brought hay to nourish the deer, but it was, um, you know, they were eating this this hay all day long, but they weren't nourished by it. And so there are lots of things that we can eat all day long and not really nourish our bodies. 
And so that's why this physical self-care of, nourish, of nur- nourishing our bodies with the things that it, it needs to function properly is, is so important. And I love how you partnered with the Lord in that because you were willing and you, you wanted to um, make a change in your life. Um, I know for me right now, it's really good that we're talking about this because I could use a few reminders about this. Um, I've been emotionally swirling a little bit this month. I know this emotional component is linked to the physical aspect of it that, that maybe I've neglected a little bit this past month. So for me, I'm, I'm really glad that we're talking about it because you know, I'm reminded of one of my affirmations that my first responsibility is to my own growth and well-being. And the better I feel about myself, the better I will be to others, including um, being able to, to deal with the addictive behaviors of, of my spouse. One thing I guess I, I just want to emphasize is that we can't really look at, at our bodies body is just like organs and systems. We have to look at the body as, as it's, it's all connected together. And so we're, when we're understanding how the body's supposed to work, how it's supposed to function, it really is my belief that when we give the body what it needs, it will heal. Like there, that will be the natural consequence that that will happen is that it'll heal. For me personally, I didn't really understand this until I had my own personal experience with nourishment and nourishing the body. So I've, I've often told people that if they want to know what it's like for an addict, try giving up sugar, <laughs> because that seems to be a really difficult thing for people to give up. So in my life, I had come to the point where I had given up sugar. I'd given up all processed foods and um, in, in my diet, and I felt like I was doing pretty good. But I really came to understand this concept of homeostasis when I kind of took my health to a, a different level. And I was helping my sister actually work out some imbalances in her body. I didn't even realize I had imbalances. I just thought I, w- I, w- I was doing pretty good because I wasn't eating sugar and I wasn't um, eating processed foods. But when I helped her with this healing diet and worked through this healing diet work with her because of some of the, the gut health that she was dealing with, the imbalances of gut health that she was dealing, dealing with, some interesting things happened to my own body. I was supporting her because she came to live with me so that I could help her work out these imbalances because I knew the skills and I had the knowledge to be able to help her work through this. It was very overwhelming for her to make these changes in her life because they were very um, specific things that she needed to do. But I, I could help her work through this protocol. So she came and lived at my house for a couple of weeks so I could teach her all these tra- tra- traditional methods of food preparation, like making bone broth and fermenting things. And I really um, wanted to support her in this protocol. So I chose to um, engage in this protocol with her, this healing protocol with her. After a, probably about a month or so, I was experiencing some really different things, some, some rebalancing in my own body that really wowed me. And I, I came to understand what this homeostasis feel was in the body. 
because I have experienced that and know that anything different is off balance to me, it becomes very discouraging to me now because I'm dealing with this PTSD symptoms and it has thrown my body off balance again. So I love Naomi, what you were talking about, how this, or maybe it was me who mentioned it earlier, how this is a a process for us all. And that no matter where you are in your journey, just taking those baby steps to work toward this, this balanced feel like you will know when you come to this balanced state of being. But I, I think the thing that this experience taught me was that when I have more information about how my body functions, the less control Satan has over it because the body is so central to the father's plan of happiness in our spiritual development. And the adversary will do everything to disconnect us from our body. I'm, I'm remembering something also that I think it was Elder Bednar taught. Well, let me just read the quote. He says, the very tool he does not have and cannot use is thus the primary target of his attempts to lure us to physical and spiritual destruction. And he's referring to the body. I know at least we've been taught in the scriptures that we have the capacity to act and not be acted upon. Understanding how our body's supposed to function, we can make different choices through the atonement of Jesus Christ can help us overcome this all desires of the flesh, just like Cherilyn's example beautiful example illustrated. I love that, Janine. It's, it's so true that, you know, our bodies are essential to the plan of happiness and Satan is going to do everything that he can. And I know that when, you know, when I'm not taking care of my body in, in every aspect, and that's why self-care is so vital, you know, I mean, it's, it's not just, and that's why we're focusing so much on the individual aspects of self-care. But when you look at even just self-care as a whole, if we're not balanced in, you know, physical, mental, spiritual, I mean, all of them really combine into one whole and, and our spirits feel the difference as well. And because everything is created spiritually before it was created physically, We've got to do all of those spiritual things as well. And, and we'll talk more about spiritual um, self-care another time, but, but they're all interconnected. And like you said, you know, in these beginning stages, when you are just coming into this trauma and you're so shaken that you are having a hard time doing anything, don't feel like you have to run a marathon. It's, it's like Janine said, it's just small things, you know, maybe it's, okay, I need to go to bed 10 minutes earlier than I did last night. You know, that's one little step. Or maybe today I'm going to make sure that I eat breakfast when I wake up. Um, And, and, you know, just little things until it, until it, because again, in the scriptures, you know, we, we are taught that by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. And I didn't, I didn't start, you know, exercising for 45 minutes a day, you know, I, I didn't even start exercising until I, until I got my eating down, you know, until I focused on, okay, I need to eat this and I need to make sure I'm eating this, you know, and just changing small things 
until it came to a point where I had changed and was getting the nutrition that I needed. And then I began exercising and I didn't start out exercising 45 minutes. I started with 10 minutes, you know, of light exercise and, you know, so it can be just as simple as walking around the block, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be extravagant and, and it doesn't have to be that your, your heart is pounding, but it's just movement and sleep and nutrition. I mean, all of these things are so important. It just has to, it has to work for you and you have to feel good about it. Um, exactly. Because with this added stress of the trauma, it, it adds a new component of maintaining physical balance. And um, it takes a lot more effort to be in balance because of the trauma. And I love, there's a couple of resources that I just wanted to tell the listeners about um, that has really helped me connect the dots with this. One is The Body Keeps the Store, Score by Bessel van Vanderkolt. And the other one is Solving the Autoimmune Puzzle by Dr. Keisha Ewers. And the reason I love, I love Dr. Keisha Ewers is because she, she explains so well how the body functions and how this added component of trauma affects your body. And so you may not identify with the autoimmune condition. Maybe you haven't been diagnosed with one, but it, it really outlines how to take care of your body and, and the, the pieces that need to be put in place and how trauma affects, affects the body. So I love, I love the connection that she, she makes with that, with the physical body and the, the trauma. Yeah. Thank you, Janine, for sharing that. I love, I love those books and I, I need to get them on audiobook because that's the easiest way for me to listen <laughs> or to read books for these days um, with kids and lots of things to do. So um, I think uh, in closing, I just want to remind um, you, our listeners, that this is a process and it's okay to start small. Um, there's not a perfect way to do self-care. Um and, and just that physical and spiritual and emotional, that all of these ways are, are so interrelated. And without these different methods of self-care, it really makes it difficult to deal with the trauma because they're all so connected. And really taking the time to hone in on that physical self-care will give you an edge up in your ability to step out of um, the massive trauma and really start to be able to create that, like Janine talked about, that homeostasis and really be able to begin that process of finding that balance to be able to do the other things that you need to do and the other items of self-care. I think physical self-care is probably a place where we can all do better in, in our lives. And as we do that, we'll find more peace and we'll find more, um, strength and capacity to be able to deal with the trauma that we experience in our lives. And so if you have, thank you again for listening. And if you have any questions that you want us to discuss or talk about, please email us at worth at lifechangingservices.org. And we will take your questions and we will um, 
we will hopefully when we get if we get some questions we'll be able to bring them to the podcast and and share our thoughts and insights on those thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org, to enroll in a therapist-led support group or to check out our blog. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or wherever you may listen, or simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for a new episode because you are worth it. In your opinion, Luke, what do you feel a bishop or stake president can do to be helpful to the addict in his recovery?